Book Two, Chapters Sixteen through Twenty, of Against Jovinianus, by Saint Jerome. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The apostle does indeed blame those who forbade marriage, and commanded to abstain from food, which God created for use with thanksgiving, but he has in view Marcion and Tatian, and the other heretics who inculcate perpetual abstinence to destroy and express their hatred and contempt for the works of the Creator. But we praise every creature of God, and yet prefer leanness to corpulence, absence to luxury, fasting to fullness. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, and he is eager to his own destruction. And from the days of John the Baptist, who fasted and was a virgin, until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the men of violence take it by force. For we are afraid, lest at the coming of the eternal judge we be caught, as in the days of the flood, and at the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, eating and drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage. For both the flood and the fire from heaven found fullness, as well as marriage ready for destruction. Nor need we wonder if the apostle commands that everything sold in the market be bought and eaten, since with idolaters and with those who still ate in the temples of the idols, meats offered to idols and such. It passed to the highest abstinence to abstain only from food eaten by the Gentiles. And if he says to the Romans, Let not him that eateth set at naught him that eateth not, and let not him that eateth not judge him that eateth, he does not make fasting and fullness of equal merit, but he is speaking against those believers in Christ who were still Judaizing. And he warns Gentile believers not to offend those by their food who were still weak in faith. In brief, this is clear enough in the sequel. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean of itself, save that to him who counteth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of meats thy brother is grieved, thou walkest no longer in love. Destroy not with thy meat him for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, and that no one may suppose he is referring to fasting and not to Jewish superstition. He immediately explains, One man hath faith to eat all things, but he that is weak eateth herbs. And again, one man esteemeth one day above another, Another esteemeth every day alike, yet each man be fully assured in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that eateth eateth unto the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not unto the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For they who were still weak in faith, and thought some meats clean, some unclean, and supposed there was a difference between one day and another, for example, that the Sabbath and the new moons and the Feast of Tabernacles were holier than other days, were commanded to eat herbs which are indifferently partaken of by all. But such as were of stronger faith believed all meats and all days to be alike. My opponent has dared to maintain that our Lord was called by the Pharisees a wine-bibber and a glutton, and from the fact of his going to marriage feasts and from his not despising the banquets of sinners. I am to infer his wishes respecting ourselves. That Lord, so you suppose, is a glutton who fasted forty days 
to hallow Christian fasting, who calls them blessed that hunger and thirst, who says that he has food, not that which the disciples surmise, but such as would not perish forever, who forbids us to think of the morrow, who, though he is said to have hungered and thirsted, and to have gone frequently to various meals, except in celebrating the mystery whereby he represented his passion, or improving the reality of his body, is nowhere described as ministering to his appetite. Who tells of purple-clad dives in hell for his feasting, and says that poor Lazarus for his abstinence was in Abraham's bosom? Who, when we fast, bids us anoint our head and wash our face, that we fast not to gain glory from men, but praise from the Lord? Who did indeed, after his resurrection, eat part of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb, not to allay hunger and to gratify his palate, but to show the reality of his own body. For whenever he raised any one from the dead, he ordered that food should be given him to eat, lest the resurrection should be thought a delusion. And this is why Lazarus, after the resurrection, is described as being at the feast with our Lord. We do not deny that fish and other kinds of flesh, if we choose, may be taken as food, but we prefer virginity to marriage, so do we esteem fasting and spirituality above meats and full-bloodedness. And if Peter, before dinner, went to the supper-chamber at the sixth hour, a chance fit of hunger does not prejudice fasting. For, if it were so, because our Lord at the sixth hour sat weary on the well of Samaria and wished to drink, almost of necessity, whether they so desire or not, drink at that time, Possibly it was the Sabbath or the Lord's day, and he hungered at the sixth hour after two or three days fasting. For if I could never believe that the apostle, if he had eaten a dinner only one day previous and had been blown out with a great meal, would have been hungry by noon next day. But if he did dine the day previous and was hungry next day before luncheon, I do not think that a man who was so soon hungry ate until he was satisfied. Again, God by the mouth of Isaiah says, What fast he did not choose. In the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and afflict the lowly. You fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. It is not such a fast that I have chosen, saith the Lord. What kind he hath chosen he thus teaches. Deal thy bread to the hungry, and bring the houseless poor into thy house. When thou seest the naked, cover him, and hide not thyself from thine own flesh. He did not therefore reject fasting, but showed what he would have it to be. For that bodily hunger is not pleasing to God, which is made null and void by strife and plunder and lust. If God does not desire fasting, how is it that in Leviticus he commands the whole people in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month to fast until the evening, and threatens that he who does not afflict his soul shall die and be cut off from his people? How is it that the graves of lusts where the people fell in their devotion to flesh remain even to this day in the wilderness? Do we not read that the stupid people gorged themselves with quails until the wrath of God came upon them. Why was the man of God, at whose prophecy the hand of Jeroboam withered, and who ate contrary to the command of God, immediately smitten? Strange that the lion, which left the ass safe and sound, 
should not spare the prophet just risen from his meal he who while he was fasting had wrought miracles no sooner ate a meal than he paid the penalty for the gratification joel also cries aloud sanctify a fast proclaim a time of healing that it might appear that a fast is sanctified by other works and that a holy fast avails for the cure of skin moreover just as true virginity is not prejudiced by the counterfeit professions of the virgins of the devil so neither is true fasting by the periodic fast and perpetual abstinence from certain kinds of food on the part of the worshippers of isis and Sibele, particularly when a fast from bread is made up by feasting on flesh and just as the signs of moses were imitated by the signs of the egyptians which were in reality no signs at all for the rod of moses swallowed up the rods of the magicians so when the devil tries to be the rival of god this does not prove that our religion is superstitious but that we are negligent since we refuse to do what even men of the world see clearly to be good his fourth and last contention is that there are two classes the sheep and the goats the just and the unjust that the just stand on the right and the other on the left and that to the just the words are spoken come ye blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world but that sinners are thus addressed depart from me ye cursed into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels that a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit nor an evil tree good fruit hence it is that the saviour says to the jews ye are of your father the devil and the lusts of your father it is your will to do he quotes the parable of the ten virgins the wise and the foolish and shows that the five who had no oil remained outside but that the other five who had gotten for themselves the light of good works went into the marriage with the bridegroom he goes back to the flood and tells us that they who were righteous like noah were saved but that the sinners perished altogether we are informed that among the men of sodom and gomorrah no difference is made except between the two classes of the good and the bad the righteous are delivered the sinners are consumed by the same fire there is no salvation for those who are released one destruction for those who stayed behind lot's wife is a clear warning that we must not deviate a hair's breadth from right if however he says you object and ask me why the righteous toils in time of peace or in the midst of persecution if he is to gain nothing nor have a greater reward i would assert that he does this not that he may gain a further reward but that he may not lose what he has already received in egypt also the ten plagues fell with equal violence upon all that sinned and the same darkness hung over master and slave noble and ignoble the king and the people again at the red sea the righteous all passed over the sinners were all overwhelmed six hundred thousand men besides those who were unfit for war through age or sex all alike fell in the desert and two who were alike in righteousness are alike delivered for forty years all israel toiled and died alike as regards food an omer of manna was the measure for all ages the clothes of all alike did not wear out the hair of all alike did not grow 
nor the beard increase. The shoes of all lasted the same time. Their feet grew not hard. The food in their mouths of all had the same taste. They went on their way to one resting place with equal toil and equal reward. All Hebrews had the same Passover, the same Feast of Tabernacles, the same Sabbath, the same new moons. In the seventh, the sabbatical year, all prisoners were released without distinction of persons, and in the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven to all debtors, and he who had sold lands returned to the inheritance of his fathers. Then again, as regards the parable of the sower in the gospel, we read that the good ground brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold, and on the other hand, that the bad ground admitted of three degrees of sterility. But Juvenianius makes only two classes, the good soil and the bad. And as in the gospel, our Lord promises the apostles a hundredfold and another sevenfold for leaving children and wives and in the world to come eternal life. And the seven and the hundred mean the same thing. So too in the passage before us, the numbers describing the fertility of the soil need not create any difficulty, particularly when the evangelist Mark gives the inverse order, thirty, sixty, and an hundred. The Lord says, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me, and I in him. As then there are not varying degrees of Christ's presence in us, so neither are there degrees of our abiding in Christ. Everyone that loveth me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that is righteous loves Christ, and if a man thus loves, the Father and the Son come to him and make their abode with him. Now I suppose that when the guest is such as this, the host cannot possibly lack anything. And if our Lord says, In my Father's house are many mansions, his meaning is not that there are different mansions in the kingdom of heaven, but he indicates the number of the churches in the whole world. For though the church be sevenfold, she is but one. I go, he says, to prepare a place for you, not places. If this promise is particular to the twelve apostles, then Paul is shut out from that place, and the chosen vessel will be thought superfluous and unworthy. John and James, because they asked more than the others, did not obtain it. And yet their dignity is not diminished, because they were equal to the rest of the apostles. Know ye not that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost? A temple, he says, not temples, in order to show that God dwells in all alike. Neither for these only do I pray, but for them also that believe on me through their word. As thou, Father, in me, and I in thee are one, so they may be all one in us. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given unto them. I have loved them as thou hast loved me. And as we are, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, one God, so may they be one people in themselves. That is, like dear children, partakers of the divine nature. Call the church what you will, bride, sister, mother, her assembly is but one, and never lacks husband, brother, or son. Her faith is one, and she is not defiled by variety of doctrine, nor divided by heresies. She continues a virgin. Whithersoever the Lamb goeth, she follows him. She alone knows the song of Christ. If you tell me, says he, 
that one star differeth from another star in glory i reply that one star does differ from another star that is spiritual persons differ from carnal we love all the members alike and do not prefer the eye to the finger nor the finger to the eye but the loss of any one is attended by the sorrow of all the rest we all alike come into this world and we all alike depart from it there is one atom of the earth and another from heaven the earthly atom is on the left hand and will perish the heavenly atom is on the right hand and will be saved he who says to his brother thou fool and raka will be in danger of gehenna and the murderer and the adulterer will likewise be sent into gehenna in times of persecution some are burnt some are strangled some beheaded some flee or die within the walls of a prison the struggle varies in kind but the victor's crown is won no difference was made between the son who had never left his father and his brother who was welcomed as a returning penitent to the laborers of the first the third the sixth the ninth and the eleventh the same reward of a penny was given and what may perhaps seem still more strange to you the first to receive the reward were they who had toiled least in the vineyard end of book two chapters sixteen through twenty